Hello and welcome to Climate Change Unfolding, episode 8. Today is a completely unique episode about something that's very special to me. I'm sat on the front porch of my little shack on the Hairy Lemon Island, so you might hear some background noise. There's weaver birds in the trees right above me. I'm sat below a bunch of different palm trees. There is a small rapid only five meters away from me, appearing from a gap in the jungle and vanishing off around the corner. And I'm gonna talk today about the hairy lemon. The reason I'm talking about the hairy lemon today is because of its imminent destruction. So a Simba Hydro Power project is about eight kilometers downstream of here and it's an enormous 1.2 mile wide dam that's been constructed and is going to flood a 27 kilometer square reservoir. Of that reservoir, there's lots of different rapids and um, all sorts of channels and islands, but one of the places that's especially close to my heart is this collection of seven islands uh, that I'm sat on now that's known as the Hairy Lemon Island. I don't know quite how I'm going to say what I want to say and I don't actually even know what I'm going to say so <laughs> excuse me if I go round and round a little bit here. It's difficult for me to talk about and there's a lot of mixed up emotion and a lot of mixed up feelings about it. I should talk a little bit about the hairy lemon itself and what it is. So seven islands, crazy jungle surrounded by rapids. It's probably the closest you could get to to being what we call a tropical island. We're bang on the equator, surrounded by water, palm trees everywhere, thick jungle, amazing selection of birds and wildlife. You get monkeys come past my house every morning at 6.30. You've got tree pangolins and river otters and all sorts of incredible stuff that you see on the island and hundreds of species of birds, river birds, birds of prey, all sorts of things that you can see it's like national geographic in a miniature version we call it we have this thing that we call hairy lemon tv and that's where you just go and sit somewhere you just watch nature you know and you, you get to see it pass you by and insects on large scales do all sorts of crazy things you've got so much stuff going on it's really helped me understand how to connect with nature and actually it's really given me a much greater appreciation for the amazing world that we live in. It's a really special place and there's so many little magical spots on our planet and the hairy lemon's definitely one of them and it's not just for me either. There's so many different people that have in some way connected with the hairy lemon and often in a very powerful way i've lost count how many times i've spoken to someone and say i look back at my month on the hairy lemon as one of the fondest times of my life it's living simply you know so the hairy lemon has basically no phone signal and no internet and therefore you have this quite unique setup now where people aren't on their phones or aren't on their electronics and there's very little for you to organize food is included while you stay on this little island it's a it's got a campsite lodge eco lodge sort of setup going and there's a restaurant and bar three times a day delicious healthy food is brought out to you so you don't need to think about preparing your food you don't need to think about driving to get here or there if you want a drink you just go to the bar and get your and whatever drink you fancy it's living done simply I call it caveman kayaking because you eat sleep kayak 
the reason I say kayak is not only is this place an amazing little tropical paradise, but it's also within a few hundred meters of one of the very best standing waves for surfing in the world. So just incredible really you've got this island that's just this little haven of tropical paradise and then a few hundred meters away is one of the most incredible standing waves in the world and for those who don't understand what i mean by standing wave it's basically a wave that stays in one place on the river just like you would imagine any little feature on a river it sort of um, bubbles and bounces around a little bit but essentially the the feature doesn't move and the face of this wave is such perfectly shaped that you can surf this wave Whereas a wave in the ocean, you might catch a wave and ride it in towards the shore as it breaks and then you've got maybe 10 seconds before it's all fizzled out and you have to paddle back out, try and get another one another 10 minutes later. This one just stays there. So minute after minute, you can surf this wave until you make a mistake and you flush off. Now, all sorts of amazing stuff that you can do on this wave, bouncing and throwing yourself up in the air and in a kayak, you know, and doing full barrel rolls and, and twists and all of the best kayakers in the world have been to this place and love it you know so i went to the 2015 world championships and competed at it and at the world championships which was on a way very similar to this one i looked down the list of competitors and the number of competitors that hadn't been to the nile in the last year was just over 10 i think it was like 12 or 13 people and that's of a field of around 200 competitors of the best paddlers in the world and many of those paddlers have been here for months on end and they're living on the hairy lemon island and i do mean living because it's different to when you stay at a hotel for a night or two nights or even three nights you know you stay for a few days you move on there you're staying in the hotel but when you come to the hairy lemon especially when you're coming for weeks on end and months on end sometimes it really feels like you're living there you know it's complete immersion complete disconnect from the outside world and your priorities here are different you know the busyness of your daily life which is so all-consuming for so many of us and so hard to avoid in modern world when you get here life slows down and priorities become different and actually more in tune with where we naturally should be that maybe sounds a little bit hippy dippy and whatever else but it's real and there's there's a beautiful magic to the place everyone talks about the hairy lemon magic and this is like a done phrase and so ugh, it's hard for me to verbalize exactly what i mean by hairy lemon magic maybe i'll come back to that but it's a special place people have been coming here for years i first came here in 2004 when i just arrived in uganda i planned a two-week kayaking holiday in uganda we got in a local taxi drove for an hour or so to this mystical place that we'd heard of the hairy lemon which had just opened a year or so before so it was really rugged basic setup the previous owners had just cleared a little space for their tent on this jungly island and set up this basic rustic restaurant and bar and they got cracking on this setting up this sort of little eco lodge island and didn't even know that one of the best waves in the world for kayaking is just a few hundred meters away <laughs> later found out that all the kayakers kept coming for this wave I wasn't there when they first set it up, but I was there not long afterwards, a year or so later. So there we were, we turned up at this riverbank, the Matatu, this taxi just drops us off and there is nothing around. We're by the river, we can see the rivers there, but you can only see like maybe 10 meters of the river by there. And so it's flowing past us and there's thick jungle everywhere, tall trees and 
nothing around is just a little grassy area where we're stopped and <laughs> we totally thought we'd been ripped off by this taxi driver who'd just taken a bunch of our money to drive us around and he just dropped us off in the middle of nowhere we literally just sat there we like what do we do there's nobody here it's jungle and river and you know we're looking at the birds and just hanging out and thinking we don't actually know what to do so one of us is going to consider start walking to see if we could find a village or something <laughs> and then one of the group there's about eight of us one of the group says what's that in the tree and there's sort of this like metal rung tire in the tree and uh, I'm like why is there like a metal tire hub in the tree oh, I look in the tree and I'm like oh there's a spanner in it and uh, and then so my mate gets the spanner and says oh, I wonder if, you know maybe we should just whack it and so they, they've made this big ting ting noise and uh, that's an, a pretty uh, a hairy lemon iconic noise now so pretty much everyone arriving at the island has rung that same metal tire rung <laughs> five minutes later random guy in a big sort of glorified dugout canoe comes ferry gliding across this little rapid <laughs> and meets us there and says get in your kayaks and follow me you know and they put our bags in his dug out and we get in the kayaks and paddle across and we open up into this little bay and there's this opening of oasis and I just it just blew me away and just really moved me right from the very first time and I ended up extending my ticket staying for longer and once I realized the full setup what was there there's this little tropical paradise run by this amazing Aussie couple uh, and their baby son and one of the best waves in the world right next to it you're staying you know at the time we were living for like maybe ten dollars a day including all your food and beer and everything whatever you wanted and um, <laughs> just blew me away so I ended up staying for the rest of my university summer ended up getting a bit of a job coaching here and it totally changed the direction of my life here I am almost 15 years later I run a kayak school on the Nile River and I'm sat on the hairy lemon and I'm sat under the balcony of my little house or maybe shack would be a more appropriate word you know I've built my own little house on the island to become good lifelong friends with the original owners and the new owners major parts of my informative adult years have been on the hairy lemon you know I've had tears here I've had many many moments of joy I've built lifelong friendships and become Ah, better kayaker. I've moved from being a, you know, average Joe, mid, middle of ground sort of kayaker to, I don't know, one of the better wave kayakers in the world, <laughs> if you can say that. But um, it's been really life-changing and my whole family's visited here and loved it. Good lifelong friends from home have come and visited me here too, as well as just forging the most amazing friendships. When you're sharing day after day, hour after hour, um, and sharing good times with people, it really forms a bond. And I'll have memories that, that will stick with me for the rest of my life. Friends who've been married on the island, and have done memorial services for friends who've died, where the entire community come and stay on the Hairy Lemon. We've planted trees in their honor and celebrated their life here on the Hairy Lemon. It's, it's a place where the entire community around here comes together and shares experiences and shares time. So that's a little bit about the Hairy Lemon. Kayakers all over the world know it and will know exactly what I'm talking about. Non-kayakers, people from all over will also know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't been to the Hairy Lemon, 
<laughs> I don't know quite what to say. If you haven't been to the Hairy Lemon, you won't get a chance to come to the Hairy Lemon, unfortunately, because today is the very last day that the Hairy Lemon will be operating and open. The trees are about to be cleared and it's all changed. Ahead of the flooding of the reservoir, teams of workers with chainsaws come along and chop down all the trees. Now, when you're living in this sort of forested, tropical rainforest, <laughs> trees are a pretty central part of the uh, personality of the place. And the thousands of trees that are on these islands, you chop them all down, it's just going to be a complete chaotic mess. There's going to be wildlife and monkeys and birds and spiders and snakes and you know all sorts all over the place and the buildings on the island need to be dismantled and so we've just heard about this a few days ago it's sort of pathetic the way the dam company has been communicating with us considering I'm a business stakeholder with my life savings invested in operating on this river and considering this is a major tourist attraction the Nile River here and and we're all legally registered businesses and there are 3,000 people living within the catchment area of this reservoir. How badly we've been communicated to is just inexcusable, you know. They know what's going on, but they've refused to tell us. So we only just found out on Thursday um, from our friends, the owners, that clearing will be starting on Monday. And it's now Monday and so we had one weekend and so we dropped all our plans we changed our plans we, all those work things that were on the list the lists were left at home and we've come down to live in our little hairy lemon home for as many days as we could before it was gone and imagine having a house and building it yourself living in it falling in love with the island that it was built on and then being told you have to dismantle and get rid of the house. Now, some people, that won't be unfamiliar. Maybe it's, you know, the highway's been built to your house or whatever else, but it's pretty big upheaval and pretty emotional thing when it's forced upon you. Um, and that's what's coming. It's what we're about to start on. We're just finishing the last stages of enjoying a little tropical paradise, and we're about to begin on the demolishing of our tropical paradise is this sort of twist of unpleasantness to this is that the water doesn't just come and flood the entire thing in its pristine state we have to chop all the trees down all the nature that we've so connected with and our houses and all the little places along the island we've shared good times with good friends we have to now we take those friends and and pull the whole thing apart and watch these trees get chopped down so that's where we're about to start and a bit of background on where exactly I'm at and where I'm sitting at this very moment and I'm trying to gather my thoughts and trying to share some thoughts and trying to capture some aspect of how I feel right now and trying to remember it you know I move around the island this morning and I'm doing all the things that we've done yeah and I keep doing these things for the last time thinking I'm never gonna do this thing that I've done hundreds of times before I'm never gonna do it again after surfing Nile Special, this amazing wave that I've been talking about, you come downstream and you peel around the corner of another island that's just there and you see this huge line of trees and jungle and little channels coming out and little bubbling bits of white water and the sun sets directly over the top of it and so one of the best times to surf this wave 
is towards sunset and now special sunset sessions is something that I would imagine there are hundreds of people maybe thousands in fact definitely thousands of people who've experienced that and remember it as something very special they come down from now special they come out and the beach of the hairy lemon is waiting for them and over the back of the beach and these little rapids that surround the hairy lemon is a glorious sort of golden African sunset and you've got these palm trees reaching over the beach and this huge thick jungle there's monkeys and all sorts of birds around you see fish eagles and hardidas and all sorts sitting there and it's just seared into my mind I can shut my eyes and I can just see that view and last night I did it for the last time I'm gonna get a chance to surf now special again but when I come around that corner the island's gonna be devastated all the trees will be chopped down the birds will be gone or in a sad state of affairs and goodness knows what's gonna to happen to the pangolins and the monkeys and all the rest of it and that's really sad say so there's a fair few people that would feel my pain on that one <laughs> now it's doubly frustrating because of the pointlessness of the whole thing. Simba is not a viable dam construction site. I'm gonna talk a little bit about this because it's important and it's related to this. And the pointlessness of it is so frustrating. Simba is a huge, wide, flat area of the river. Now, the best thing to do for a dam is a steep river banks and narrow river with a high volume with a huge gradient. Okay, the gradient means you get head of the dam, which is exactly correlated with how much power you can generate and the width of the dam is inversely correlated so like the wider the dam doesn't help you at all when it comes to power generation it just adds expense so you want a narrow dam but this is an enormously wide dam it's two kilometers wide when it's finished the reservoir is enormous so the the size of the reservoir relates to the impact that that dam is going to have apart from all of the things like you know fish migration and 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 sediment all of that sort of stuff which I could talk for hours or but I'm not going to um, apart from that stuff if you have a 27 kilometer square reservoir that's an enormous reservoir and 3,000 people are going to be displaced so the impacts are really high but the benefit relatively because the head of the dam and the gradient is relatively small is very little so you get much less power for much bigger expense and much bigger impact. So that's what a Simba is. It's the final dam on this section because they've already built two more dams in the places that made more sense. And Uganda's current power usage, you know, so this is one of the common arguments you hear. Well, okay, it's all of this amazing stuff that's gonna be done. All of these thousands of people are gonna be moved, but there'll be, you know, at least it's generating power and whatever else. So Uganda's current power generation is 550 megawatts. And the Uganda's current need for power is 450 megawatts and hasn't grown since 2010. So it's eight years, it's been stagnant and they're not even using the capacity. So they can't even use the power stations that they currently got to their max because there's a hundred megawatts surplus. Okay, but well, maybe the country will grow a little bit in the future, but the power is expensive because of the enormous cost of these dams to the government. And that's not the worst of it. They're also building two other massive massive dams further down on the Nile in the National Park which are going to generate 1300 megawatts combined so current usage 450 megawatts and stagnant for eight years current capacity of the country 550 megawatts they're building 1300 megawatts worth of dams further downstream on the Nile this dam creates 180 megawatts 
it's a total mess because written into these massive government projects is 100% efficiency and 100% payback of selling electricity to the people and it's been sold as Uganda needs power we need these projects to go ahead and we're going to make lots of money from the electricity when it's sold but there's nowhere in Uganda that needs it now the government's taking another 200 million debt just to build cables to all of the little villages so that they can sell the power so that they can pay for the projects that they didn't need in the first place and they've tried this before but it was a complete flop because whenever there's commercial benefit or need for the the electricity to go to the village the power generation company have done it if it makes sense to do it because they can sell the electricity to the people so i know there's an access to electricity thing but bear in mind expensive electricity solar panels and small scale solar is cheaper than grid electricity you know so all of these tiny little villages maybe 20 kilometers from the nearest power grid much more sense to get more small-scale solar setups and whoever objected to solar you know especially now that it's so cheap it's cheaper than any other power form apart from sometimes wind in many countries now so doesn't bring benefit to the local people here especially the 3,000 people that have been forced moved out of their houses just like I'm being forced moved out of my house and a lot of those guys haven't been given compensation. I haven't been given compensation from their businesses. Nothing's been offered. They've been talking about it hot air for years and years. And still we're left giving the, the runaround. They still haven't given us a final flooding date. So we're still trying to decide how long to take bookings for on sections of river that will be flooded. And they won't tell us, you know, which is super frustrating. But even... If we put aside for a minute the bigger picture debates, is this better for the country or not? Is there financial gain or not? What's the overall bigger picture? Whatever. If you put that aside for now, just look at all of this nature. The monkeys don't give a, a monkeys <laughs> about whether this is better for Ugandans elsewhere in Uganda. The Ugandans in this region of Uganda know full well that this isn't better for them because they've suffered through two projects already and this is the third in this immediate area. When we put a petition out for posing the largest version of this dam, which is the one where it bursts its riverbanks and goes miles into the villages, you know, there was a smaller hydropower plan which had minimal impact on the tourism, minimal impact on the local people, didn't go outside of the riverbanks. When we put in a petition to downsize it to that smaller scale project, 15,000 people signed the petition. <laughs> There's a lot of people, you know, we took it to Parliament and that's a whole other story. But for now, we put all that aside and we look around us at the beautiful, pristine nature. What are these guys that live on this island? All of these hundreds of different species of birds, the different mammals and animals and insects, this crazy interconnected ecology that's really taught me about nature and taught me about conservation as large parts of the rest of the river get cut down from other driving needs of human expansion, this little pocket of paradise is being conserved and it's given me an appreciation and a sense of gratitude and also underscored the importance of conservation and fueled my passion for it and given me an extra level of attention to what we're doing to our natural world. So the hairy lemon, I owe it so much and I'm so grateful for all of the things that it's taught me. 
and I'm trying to enjoy these last few moments. And I know soon enough that I'm going to have to watch these trees that surround the bits that I know so well being felled. I'm going to see the house ripped to pieces, the iron sheets, the wood, the patio, everything that makes up this amazing little slice of paradise soon going to be gone. <sighs> so it's too late for this fight to be won. This is gone, or at least it's going, and there's no stopping it. This human train of progress is forcing this one underwater. So it's gonna be meters underwater. My little house, if I'm sat where I'm sat right now, in a month or two's time, is gonna be about eight meters underwater, which is wild, you know. It's really hard for me to picture that. So it's too late for this slice of paradise, but it's not too late for me to dedicate a good part of my life and my energy towards sustaining other slices of paradise and indeed especially on the equator where things grow so rapidly and environments they recover so quickly it's possible because I've seen it with my own eyes there's a whole section that we call the farm on the hairy lemon which is about five acres of degraded land and maize fields and whatever else that the hairy lemon bought and replanted and turned into a farm to feed the people who are staying on the island and just to regenerate for the natural environment. And I've seen it over the last eight years turn into a forest. It's amazing now. You walk around that and there's trees that you wouldn't believe are only eight years old. There was a few trees left when they bought the land, but for the most part, the entire area has been reforested and is a full-on forest now. All sorts of things living in it. and. That gives me hope. What we're doing to the world is just criminal. So many pockets like the hairy lemon. Hairy lemon is unique for a number of reasons. But one of the reasons it's unique is the amount of people that have got a human personal connection and emotional connection with the place. It's just easier for us to appreciate that loss than when we destroy pristine paradises that we never even connected to that we never even knew you know but that doesn't mean that they're from a natural perspective any less pristine and we're destroying it at an incredible rate it's sad but and this is an important but humans can change we will change and we have to change and i believe that once people start connecting in a better way with their natural environment around them and i believe that things are changing you know are they changing quick enough I don't know, shift is happening already, but big shift is coming at some point. And whether it's in the next year, the next five years, or in 20 years, sooner or later, the reality of what global warming and climate change and all of the other things that we're doing to our natural environment starts sinking in and effects start happening to the general population, like proper, deep, powerful effects that can be attributed to the actions that we're having we're going to see huge human shifts and the sooner the better i can't wait for the day in the meantime i'm going to dedicate a lot of my energy towards speeding up that process a greater level of human connection with nature would really help along the way that's something that my businesses have a direct possibility of taking part in we took thousands of people on the water a year and i need to do some real staff training in this area that actually is pretty much overlooked my guys feel the same way i do about the hairy lemon they're devastated to see it going it's going to be easier for them to talk about this sort of thing 
now and particularly when we start doing all the things that I want to do for forest re regeneration on the riverbanks shift will happen once enough people start caring enough the technologies are there some people listening will be thinking get your head out the clouds Sam but as the impacts start increasing continue to shift in the way of demonizing things like fossil fuels and big high polluters and paving the way for cheaper and all-round better technologies for generating energy and living in a more sustainable way change is going to happen and it's coming and i'm going to be right there doing my very best to haul everyone along including myself in the right direction this very pristine and unique ecosystem there's only one Nile river it's the only river of its size that flows through this entire region of africa and the rapids and the pools and the riverbanks particularly create this incredibly unique and beautiful ecology that's a complete interaction between birds and the fish and the water eroding the banks and the roots sustaining the banks and the rocks and the vines and the creepers whose roots dangle into the water and you've got all of this these palm trees that sort of use every inch of the islands and the riverbanks and the kingfishers sit on the side of them we've got one of the rarest ducks in the world the finfoot that creeps around underneath the shade of these riverbank trees that overlap the uh, the rapids it's this crazy important interaction that the whole ecology around here depends upon and we're just ripping it apart you know these 70 degree slopes being chopped down for firewood and then planted for maize or destroyed from hydropower projects and very few little pockets of this remain and in a few privately owned areas there's been regeneration and replantation and it really gives me hope that it's possible to rejuvenate i absolutely am committed to looking after some of this remaining riverbank this little patch that i'm sat on now it's on death row and won't last very much longer um, but there are other areas that we can be conserving and there's other areas that we can regenerate i'm looking into it at the moment i'm going to speak to a few friends that are very knowledgeable about that it has to be done in a way that is recovering what was originally there for the ecology not just planting a random bunch of species it's got to be done right it's got to be done in a way that incorporates and has the buy-in and emotional and financial buy-in of the local people around here we're surrounded in a lot of this area by rural ugandan villages that are expanding in population rapidly and a lot of people on the what you would call extreme poverty and so you can't blame someone in extreme poverty chopping down a tree and selling it for firewood and selling it for furniture or whatever else and you can't blame someone who wants to generate an income for his or herself chopping pristine rainforest down in order to plant some maize so that they can have a little bit more crops but if you plant the maize on a 70 degree slope within two years we've seen time and time again the whole thing's washed away you know without the roots you've got bare soil on a 70 degree slope heavy tropical rainstorm before long the whole thing is in the river and you're left with bare slope and it's actually erodes into the farmland that they had on the top of the plateau so there's not much real long-term benefit to it any project to work it has to have 
buy-in for the local people and we've got some ideas for that but I'm going to talk soon with a couple of experts in this they run projects similar to this and they've got awesome community engagement potential ideas so that the local people can earn a real income but I'll get into that in future episodes I need to educate myself better about that but what I'm 100% committed to is trying to take a few little bits of this amazing area and either rebuilding and reforesting or conserving those few special places that still exist. I want my son to be able to come here in 10, 20 years and see the magic that I saw and even better if he can experience the magic that I've experienced on the hairy lemon. He won't get to see the hairy lemon but I'm going to show him pictures of him toddling around in his little nappy. We've had some really emotional and really emotional and special days hanging out with him here and it's sad that he's never going to experience this little place that the rest of my life has been built on this you know so got to know my wife probably whilst on the hairy lemon i made lifelong friends i i carved out my career and built an amazing business whilst living here several amazing businesses memories that I will never forget and he'll never get to share them and we're doing it all over the world you know? so many of these little slices of paradise are going to be gone and next generation is not going to see them and the generation after that even more of it and we've got to change the course of action that we're moving on it's No, the greenhouse gas emissions, I mean, God, I could talk a whole episode about this, but the greenhouse gas emissions per square meter from a tropical inundation or flooding of a reservoir with all of the enormous amounts of biomass, it's crazy the amount of greenhouse gas emissions. It's a total myth that um, large-scale dams like this are green technologies complete nonsense if you look at the latest research on the amount of methane as the uh, trees that are in the reservoir and the plants and the uh, the leaves and all of that sort of stuff decomposes without oxygen it releases methane and methane is 35 times worse for the environment in terms of greenhouse gas than than co2 and thousands of tons probably millions of tons of green of methane going to be released so It'd take hundreds and hundreds of years before this dam becomes carbon neutral and it's going to fall into pieces way before that. And how come we never consider the deconstruction of dams in the overall price of the construction? That's never factored into the equation. And Owen Falls Dam, which is the first dam that was built here, it was built in 1954, had a 40-year lifespan. So it was supposed to be decommissioned in 1994. And when they first started building dams, they said, well, that's years away. By that time, technology would have advanced so far that it would be easy to work out how to deconstruct these dams and how to deal with the sediment problem. So the sediment builds up behind the dam and it slowly gets thicker and thicker until it clogs the turbines. It, it fills up the reservoir until the point where the turbines are at the sediment level and then the dam becomes completely useless and if you've got a reservoir that's 27 kilometers wide you can't just clean it out it's underneath the water you know and it's uh it's enormous amounts of uh, sediment and then what about all of the areas 
downstream that relies on the deposition of that sediment. That's not affected into the ecology. But back to the Owen Falls Dam. The Owen Falls Dam, supposed to be decommissioned in 1994, got to 1994. Well, still kind of working. It's not 100%, you know, but it's still kind of working. Let's keep using it. And we don't know what to do with it anyway, so we use it for another 10 years. Now it's been 20 years, over 20 years over, and it's got cracks in the dam, and the whole thing looks aged. I'm scared every time I go across it. It's the dam is a bridge as well so you can drive across the dam and there's no plan you know they're just going to throw concrete in the turbines and wait for it to collapse in a hundred years or 50 years time you know and this is the other thing why this is just ridiculous and sad because it would cost far less and the ecology particularly on the environment ecology the cost would be far less to have fixed and sorted out the old dam dredged the reservoir decommissioned it built another one in that location then ravaged an entire new section of the river an enormous section of the river that people depend on for their livelihoods people you know there's an enormous tourism industry here 80,000 people come here every year to do some sort of adventure activity a primary draw is the whitewater tourism that's the main thing that makes up all of those things all of those tourists spending money in the area local jobs hundreds probably thousands of local jobs and you count secondary and especially if you count all the people that they're dependent on so fix the old dam borderline zero environmental issues it's just complicated it's much easier to get a new area and put in a wall and destroy a new section but if you take into consideration the environment far better to do it in the old location they've got to dredge it they'd have to decommission the old wall which is going to be really difficult and would have to be wrapped into the cost of the project but that deconstruction is going to happen anyway you can't send an enormous tidal wave down to Egypt you know it's holding back the entire of Lake Victoria because when they were building the dam they blew a huge section of Owen Falls which was the original rapid which means that instead of just controlling a one kilometer reservoir they could control the entire level of Lake Victoria which is crazy big lake second largest lake in the world so they have the capacity to change the level of lake victoria and because they've blown away the natural bedrock if that dam currently collapses lake victoria drops by probably 10 meters we know it could drop by at least seven meters with that dam at the very minimum they got a contract to sell some electricity to kenya and released way more than sustainable for like two years we had crazy high water on the nile river and the the dam company was selling enormous amounts of electricity to neighboring countries and they dropped the level of lake victoria which is a fishing towns and ports for hubs of sort of transporting goods to and from the different countries and they dropped it by seven meters so you had jetties and fishing boats that were way out the water and they could have gone further it was only because three countries finally got together and, and limited and put policies in place to limit the amount of water they release so slowly over a few years that the lake recovered but surely better off to put a dam in 20 meters downstream of Owen Falls Dam and let this dam wall be this sort of ghost dam wall amongst an, another reservoir of the new dam. <sighs> but they want a clean new project and that's what they got. I'm not even going to get into the finances of it about who made money and let me just summarize in saying that 
this decision wasn't made for the better of the people. It was made for a few people getting very rich, but I'm not even going to get into that. Just to bring it back around to the magical hairy lemon. There are people who know the magic, and for those who don't, go and find your own little piece of paradise and learn to appreciate nature. One of the things that I've realized in the last few days is how important it is for us all to appreciate the natural world. And I don't mean just look at the sunset and say, oh, isn't that pretty? I mean, really to feel and live amongst it for a brief period and experience it properly. So one of the things that adventure activities and kayaking and surfing and climbing and mountaineering and hiking and all those other sports and tourism in general can do is take people from their normal environments and allow them to immerse themselves in that nature and allow them to experience it properly. If that experience is powerful enough, people come away from that changed with a greater appreciation for the natural world. And if we all had a greater appreciation for the natural world and we realized that appreciation and it was verbalized and articulated, a lot of us would act very differently. A lot of us would feel a lot more passionate about conserving. A lot of us would feel a lot more strongly about not polluting and not wasting. One of my takeaways that I'm gonna make sure that my businesses have a part in as a tourism business, as an activity business, we take people out into nature. Definitely got to train my guides and inspire my team, who also love the hairy lemon, by the way, to make sure that this appreciation and this articulation of this connection between us and our natural world has to be incorporated into all of our activities. It's not just going in thrill-seeking and getting out of there, drinking beers and celebrating. <laughs> we have a big part... <laughs> I just seen talking about hairy lemon TV. I'm just sat here on my front porch, and a bird of prey just swooped down and took what looked like to be a little shrew or mouse out of the undergrowth right in front of me, like five meters away. And here I am trying to make a point, but appreciation for National Geographic style hairy lemon TV. So my point is, one of my takeaways is that my companies have a responsibility for building that connection between the thousands of people we take on the water each year and the natural environment around them. I'm gonna rebuild sections of this Nile River. I'm committed, I'm gonna inspire change, I'm gonna do my very best to inspire change of those around me as well. There's a lot of people who care about this environment in the same sort of headspace as I am. And I'm gonna grieve in the way that I guess people grieve for losing something that they've loved and that sounds a bit weird talking about a place like that but now special wave and the hairy lemon island it really has been a big part of my life and i'm gonna learn to live without it because i have to in the way that people do learn to live with that things that they love that are taken away from them but I'm gonna try and channel that in a positive way. I'm gonna try and focus my energies even more than they were before on conservation and, and focusing on making sure that I am a positive influence on the people and the environment around me. I think I'm gonna to have to wrap it up there. 
I'm a little bit emotional about the whole thing. I don't know exactly what else to say. I'm sorry if I've ranted a little bit. I hope you feel a little bit of the magic. I'm going to shut up for a second and just let you hear a little bit of the hairy lemon. I'm going to turn the volume up in a moment and let you hear a bit of the rapids that surround me that will soon be stagnant reservoir, hear the wind through the trees, the insects and a little bit of the birds in the background just for 10 seconds and then I'm going to close off this podcast from the very last day of the hairy lemon. This is Sam Ward, climate change unfolding. Enjoy 10 seconds more of the hairy lemon. <laughs> 